0: Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Andrew
1: Morgan. How are you doing today, Andy? I'm doing pretty good. It's Friday tomorrow. <laughs> you got to look forward to the weekend, man. And how about you? Same. It's uh, it's Friday.
0: Hoping the weather holds out so I can finish the the office move. Um, I'm kind of excited for uh, today's guest because it's kind of a little bit different than what we usually do, but it, it's good for some of the products we work with. So um why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest
1: sure so today from uh, avi or avi networks we have guru trahill uh thanks for joining us today guru uh it's a pleasure to be here awesome awesome so um you guys uh are a, are a, you know, a software first, uh, you know, um, networking and load balancing company. Uh, but I mean, you, you came out of Stealth Mode really in 2014, you know, how how did this company get started? And can you tell us a bit about, where, you know, what the vision was?
2: Yeah, so we've got a pretty interesting background. Uh, it's a diverse set of people who have previously worked on server technologies, data center network technologies, load balancing, firewalls, and so on. So a lot of experience across the database center and about 2010. Actually, starting about 2009, 2010, 2011, we saw a resurgence of interest in more agile, more automated networks under the sort of banner of software-defined networks. But the one thing we observed was all the attention, all, all the all the work that was being done was at the connectivity level. How do I connect an application to the external world? But not near, nearly as much interest in fixing the issues at the layer four, layer seven network services level. And even within that, road balances were just so ripe for more innovative approaches, more innovative designs that we wanted to take this, you know, sort of largely about 20 year old architecture and 20 year old market now and do something very innovative that would solve the problems around automation and agility and so on. So we that's that's our history. So in 2012, 2013, uh, a group of really interesting uh, founding engineers got together and we asked ourselves, if you were designing, a load balancer today, what would you do? What principles from web-scale companies would you apply? How would you design the technology What problems would it solve? So we got to start, our start. We were founded by, we were actually very fortunate to be uh, helped along in this journey by investors, for, uh, the same investors who invested in companies like Palo Alto Networks, Orista, uh, F5 Networks, Riverbed, Brocade, Nicera, so just a very strong a uh, set of people who brought around the table both on the investing, investment and the farming side, and started in 2012. Uh, we continued to develop the product for a couple of years, came to market in 2014, and here we are three years later, just uh, just having the time of our life and and just very very blessed and fortunate to be working with some of the some of the most amazing customers worldwide.
0: Very interesting. So, would you say so? You know, with you guys, the Cisco former Cisco execs. Um, Founding um, Avi, and you know, you mentioned some of your drivers there, and you know, so there was kind of basically things missing in the market, and trying to get away from some of the the legacy type stuff out there, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm sure you've seen this uh, in your experience too. I started my career in networking in the '90s, and literally 20 years ago, '96, '97, if you went out to deploy load balancer, you would buy an HA pair of two boxes. You would deploy them, configure them, and the next time you ran out of capacity or you deployed a new site, you would buy another pair, another pair, another pair, and soon you had about you know ten or twenty or maybe a hundred or several hundred load balancers in your environment that you were that were you were managing. You know each one its own snowflake, and you know fast forward twenty years later, and everything around the load balancer has changed. You've gone from You know, back in those days, who's going to win? x86 or Sun Micro or DEC Alpha or SGI to the the, you know dominance of x86, followed by virtualization in the 2000s, and then cloud and containerization and public cloud and all these amazing technologies that help you solve a lot of issues on the compute side, on be more you know provision things faster, treat things as a resource as a, as, a, as a big resource pool that you can quickly dip into and you know elastically scale workloads and so on and yet those load balances are the same you know your customers uh my customers today when they walk out and they want to deploy load balances they do the exact same thing they did 20 years ago they buy a couple of appliances physical sometimes virtual uh, they manage each of these one by one there's very little automation that is built into these and very little visibility into how they're operating, uh, very little analytics around their performance of the application performance. So there was a whole slew of issues that we were looking at um, as to how do we solve these if we were designing a load balancing fabric from scratch today.
0: Yeah, you on a lot of good points there and I don't wanna jump ahead into some of the questions that we're gonna ask um, you know, about you know the analytics and, about you know being software defined and so forth. So um, let's go. Let's kind of take a, a step back for our, our listeners um, who aren't familiar with with, with Avi Networks. Um, kind of tell us about the architecture um, and the benefits. I know you mentioned some, but but kind of take us through the architecture and, and what that looks like for for your customers.
2: Sure. Uh, so Avi's product and our architecture is built on four key principles. The first one is control plane and data plane separation for a centrally managed elastic fabric. The second one is the ability to run that software in any form factor, bare metal engines, virtual engines as VMs or containerized engines. They can be deployed on-premise or in public cloud. Number three, automate everything, uh, whether it's interaction with virtual environments, container environments, STM technologies, or public cloud APIs. And number 4 build built-in real-time visibility and analytics into the architecture itself. So you don't have to capture data, send it somewhere else, and then analyze it. You can analyze it in real time, uh, things like application performance and end user experience right there on the load balancing, on the elastic load balancer itself.
1: Okay, so they sound like really, really good uh, kind of core, you know, pillars for for um for a company to be built off. You know, everything you mentioned there is is kind of right off the bat. You know, a uh, deployment model of any, 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 um, the ability to automate uh, the deployment model out, the the ability to pull that data back in, um, to uh to to analyze the data between the uh, you know the, the low balance around application, it it, it it all sounds wonderful. You know, so I mean. When we look at other products out there, you know, in the market today, aside from the four items you mentioned as we went along, is there anything else that people need to know to differentiate you guys from the other people? Uh,
2: You know, those four principles of central management, any, 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 any form factor, highly automated deployment and visibility analytics really differentiate from the products on the market. But the one thing we didn't touch on is the commercial impact of what we're doing as well. Thanks to the architecture and the fact that it runs on standard x86, just the same servers you have in your environment, and is able to deliver the kind of performance that dedicated hardware does out of that standard commodity x86, thanks to that, our costs are actually quite remarkable as well. Most of our customers are able to shave over 50% of their spend on their current load balancing infrastructure off just by simply moving to Avi's software-defined approach, Rather than the uh, appliance centric models, which lead to over provisioning and, uh, and, of course, the Snowflake uh, dedicated hardware appliances. So, I think that's the one thing I would add that it didn't add. That's not quite part of the architecture, but as a business, commercially, uh, there's, there's tremendous benefits in moving to uh, a based infrastructure as well.
1: Yeah. Understood yeah. that. Go ahead. I was just going to say understood and as you mentioned already it's it's not like your software to find only you can actually spin this up on any x86 hardware if you if you were that way inclined but your 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 deployment model supports both is is that the is that what i'm hearing correctly
2: that's exactly right our we have very very traditional customers who would take you know uh 10 20 30 40 um f5 or net load balancers Imagine walking into the data center and looking at these 40 load balancers that are coming up on their end of life. You pull them out. You replace them with very standard two-socket Dell or HP or Supermicro or UCS servers. You point our controller to those servers running standard Linux, um, and we can convert those into 40 high-performance load balancers within about 30 seconds. So that's a very traditional hardware-like deployment model, and what our customers get is central management and real-time analytics, and they love it. Um, or you could have extremely forward-looking deployment models with a globally deployed fabric uh, that could be half virtual, half containerized across AWS and Azure and on-prem, uh, providing services for applications no matter where the applications go. So we, we, we handle both very, very traditional workloads as well as these very advanced uh, microservices or containerized or PaaS workloads in public cloud as well.
0: Yeah, I think there's some key things there that, you know, differentiates you guys from the rest out there is that, you know, usually centralized management admin console is kind of an afterthought, you know, you'll deploy different products out there and they'll have their own management on each, say, appliance deployed, and then kind of have to pull them into a a higher cost, um, higher licensed um, product to get the centralized management where you guys kind of said we're going to start from the management out and make sure everything is done properly from the management side. The other thing too, was, you know, just the way that you guys, you know, you hit a nail on the head there about any hardware, you know, virtual containers, whatever, you're not saying, okay, when, you know, to get a newer feature or to get better throughput, you know, you have to buy, you know, a newer version of appliance is that you guys are limiting that from the start. You're saying, you know, buy what you need now, maybe buy a little more, but we're using standard hardware. So as, newer SSL ciphers come out, newer technology comes out, you're not having to go ahead and do those forklift upgrades of appliances because you're using standard hardware. You could possibly either just swap out like, like a network card you know, or something like that instead of having to forklift the whole appliance, correct?
2: Yeah. I mean, isn't that amazing? You just turned the whole industry on its head right there. Uh, the standard model in the industry today is you buy a 10 gig box, you deploy a 10 gig box that has a certain set of features, when you need you know, newer SSL technologies, newer ciphers, or higher performance, forklift it out, drop in a bigger box with the latest software running on top of it. Here's what happens to our customers: new SSL cipher comes out. You know, uh, a few days later, we can deploy that on our software. We just push out the software release. You can just uh, upgrade to that net new software, and you've got brand new SSL ciphers running on your on your fabric. Uh, number two, Moore's law which is so amazing. So you can deploy a 10 gig fabric today and just as your underlying servers undergo refreshes over the next few years, that 10 gig fabric might be generating 15 gig next year or 20 gig the year after that. Uh, What is amazing is that you're finally able to harness all the amazing work that Intel and the rest of the x86 industry is doing on commodity hardware rather than be stuck one year, two year, five years, six years down the line with this box that you put in your data center that can no longer be upgraded and has barely the performance that you paid four or five years ago. So we're completely turning that on its head um, in terms of how our customers think about capacity planning or uh, being able to ingest new features and new ciphers and new SSL technologies
1: i i have to say i love that uh, the avi the, the network appliance that grows with you you know <laughs> it's uh, not 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 bound to a to to a to a to a point in time that you can you can take advantage of everything while maintaining um your 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 product appliance i'm sold where do i buy one <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: so and that's the that's, that by the way just uh is the other beauty of this of of the architecture and of the approach we're not selling boxes we're selling software. You can literally go over to our website today at www.ivnetworks.com. I think it's like slash download or something. There's a massive download button up top. And you know what? The software is free for, for, for developers to use. Just hit it, download it, and you've got a basic elastic load balancer up and running in your environment in a matter of minutes uh, with all the visibility, with the, all the analytics, with all the amazing stuff that we've built in. And you can try it out. You can use it for a basic use case and then convince yourself that this is the right product uh, for us, for our production workloads, and then reach out to Avi for a license, which is as simple as just downloading the license from our, our website. So a very easy, friction-free way of not just deploying our software or using our software, but also taking that same approach to doing business with, with, with Avi. Uh, so we've, we've given this a lot of thought, and we, we wanted to make sure that the friction is not just gone in terms of the technology, but also in terms of the business.
0: Yeah, you kind of touched on um, this a little bit, and so I'm going to kind of steer the conversation into this direction. So we hear the term, you know, software and software-defined thrown around, you know, by a lot of vendors, you know, that aren't traditionally software, but now they're starting to use software load balancers, or they're trying to go to that software-defined route, but also, too, they're still trying to use those different licensing SKUs as well within those software load balancer so what are your thoughts on that on that
2: yeah you know this last part of your sentence is so interesting the best way to tell if a traditional vendor is doing um you know software defined washing i guess the sd washing is probably the best way to describe it if they're doing if doing they're doing that to their existing product or not the best way to tell that is this look at their hardware appliance if it costs $20,000, $20,000, and I look at their virtual appliance. If it costs the same $20,000, you have a problem. What they've basically done is they've taken the software that was running on dedicated hardware, put that in a VM, and now they call themselves software defined. That's not software defined. What that is is simply a repackaging of an existing software at the same price uh, that you were paying earlier for dedicated hardware. Software-defined is the ability to apply those modern design principles to have a distributed elastic fabric, which is centrally managed. That to me is a crux, the, the, the core of software-defined. Um, that means you're not deploying individual appliances, virtual or physical. What you're deploying is a centralized controller, and then the appliances are just a unit of capacity that can come and go in time as you need it. Uh, sometimes, sometimes I describe it this way. Imagine walking into your data center and looking at a storage array and there's this beautiful product from EMC or NetApp or something like that and it's got hundreds of disk drives in it. Do you ever care about how many disk drives and which one's full and which disk drive is not full and do you ever go in and move data from one drive to another to do better capacity management? You don't. The storage array takes care of all of that. When you want more capacity, you add another tray, add a few more drives, and you just have a bigger storage array, That and and internally, you'll just take care of the rest. And that's really fundamentally the difference between the, the architecture way of doing software defined, which is I'm going to take my code and put it in a VM and sell it to customers, and if they want a management, I'll have an afterthought kind of a product separately that I can sell, versus... Uh, truly software-defined where the intelligence is in the controller and the actual engines, the load balancer themselves are just a unit of capacity. Uh, so we we see this a lot. We see this a lot on slides for sure, but the proof is in the pudding. When our customers really interact with a product, two things jump out immediately. One, it is truly not just 5, 10, 15, 50 load balancer, it is one elastic load balancer, that's globally deployable, and two, uh, the visibility and analytics, which is what the architecture is able to capture and provide insights on, is just so powerful. And no amount of, uh, you know, architecture or software-defined washing is going to be able to get uh, is, is going to be able to provide the same value out of an existing load balancing appliance that we're able to get by re-architecting that code to be able to capture all this telemetry in addition to provide the load balancing function.
1: The terminology is their architecture was possibly the best term I've heard in a very very long time. It, it's um, actually superb. That's going into my dictionary from now on. All of these, um, <laughs> yeah, mar- <coughs> marketing dri- driven folks uh, defining kind of architectures. Yeah, fantastic. Love it. Um, w- you gave us a demo quite some time ago of the of the the, the AVI, You know them. Um, management appliance yep. and how everything works and, and engine but the the one piece that really blew my mind was your analytics engine Um, normally when dealing with other vendors not to pick on one but I'll, I'll name citrix you know everything is green and everything is shiny and you're looking at it going okay everything is fine but then when you actually try to look down into the traffic that's going across uh, your load balancer suddenly you realize this is very difficult. Um, What amazed me about your analytics extension was the the kind of, you know, the inline queries that you could perform and the real timeness data that you were actually getting back. When you were, as you were querying stuff, as we were going along, you were typing in a command and that data was coming out in real time. What, you know, what can you tell us about this analytics extension? And, you know, you know, why did you decide to include it when most people kind of include it as a premium feature?
2: You know, we, uh, right at the beginning in 2012 itself, we did about 150 interviews with some of the largest load balancing customers globally. And it struck us that one of the things that we kept hearing back again and again and again was how blind they were for what is going on on the load balancer. In fact, load balancers had developed such a poor reputation that almost any networking ticket that came in or any even application performance ticket that came in first came to the load balancing team. And they had to prove that the load balancer is not the problem before anyone else looked at the ticket. It was was amazing. Uh, And that's because these products were not really built to give you insights into their own operation or into the performance of the application. So we knew day one that we have to build a product where the Elementary is built into every part of what the product does, into every folding app. And if you if you do that, you're able to do these insights and these analytics in real time at very high performance. So I'll I'll, I'll share an example. So uh, today uh, I'm I'm here in Atlanta with one of our customers. I was uh, I was looking at their setup this morning and how they were using Avi. Now this is a mid-sized customer Uh, a mid-sized enterprise that has a few hundred applications that are sitting behind us, and we calculated that in a single hour, Avi was processing almost a billion data points, a billion metrics in a single hour. Uh, That is the level of performance we are able to provide because we thought through uh, day one, how to build telemetry into the fabric itself. Uh, So This was always a day one decision for us, The ability to capture real time analytics, real time metrics, the ability to make those searchable for our customers, the ability to run our own machine learning engines on top of that data and provide insights out of the platform. All of that was a day one decision for us. And in fact, today, um, and, and it's, of course, completely baked into the fabric. It's not a premium feature. It's not something you buy separately. It's not the kind of thing where you know you have to be like how often should I collect the stats because the device might keel over and die if I do if I pull it too often it's none of that. It's all baked in and we look at every single flow, every single metric and we provide the insights based on that. And today that thing is so powerful that in almost every customer environment I keep running into these applications, which are not even being load balanced. They just run it through our load balancers, through our engines, only because they want to see the inline analytics in real time rather than make a copy of that traffic uh, and send it to an offline network monitoring or application performance monitoring solution. Um, so, you know, so, something that's really interesting about the platform.
0: Yeah, I like to agree when, um, when Andy first asked the question is that you guys are, are pretty impressive of how much you can see the visibility that you guys have i mean um when we have that demo and just from my experience um working with your product you know just seeing like the the full end to end you know basically you know the end user the load balancer the server the app response you know seeing the, the like the ssl transactions the versions um the health score even you know denial of service type stuff you know what kind of um attacks and so forth so i would like to say you guys pretty much handled you know being able to see that and having that visibility is probably the, the best I, I've seen on the market out there.
2: Right. And, and, you know, as you saw in the demo, we realized a very key insight. In fact, our CTO had a very key insight uh, a long time ago when we got started. And he said, people define performance in a number of different ways. But the most important thing to capture in any system is latency. Is there a delay and where is that delay? And so everything we do in our visibility analytics is around that notion of we're an inline product, load balances sit in front of the application, we have access to amazing data on latency uh, and transaction times. Let's collect that data, let's make it surface it up so our uh, customers and operations teams can quickly assess if there is a problem, where's the problem. If I'm having trouble with an application's performance, it is truly—is it truly an application performance issue, or a network latency issue, or a WAN connection issue? Um, you know, so that, that level of insight is is baked into the product. Something that that uh, the operations teams find very
1: very useful i i couldn't agree more i mean hands down it is the best appliance interface i have ever seen for networking um if i was to compare it to something that we we you know our our listeners might might have seen before it's it's like the Nutanix prism of of networking load balancers it's, it it's clean it's easy and it by God, it's fast. So it's um, it was it was it was a joy to watch actually, and I I um, I kind of expect better from other vendors now that I've seen how it can be done. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it, it is great. I mean, so I mean, for for those people who you know who may be curious about the the Avi product, I mean, how is it licensed or packaged or sold today? Um. Uh...
2: We were very careful in coming up with a licensing methodology that allows two key features. It should allow our customers to start really small and then pay as they grow, and it should allow them to scale up or down in real time without needing to over-provision and buy capacity upfront. So those were the two core principles. So here's what we did. Uh, We said, you know what, the controllers, are free of cost. You can spin up as many controllers as you'd like, you can have one set of controllers, two set or 20 sets, we don't really care. The controllers, of course, are the brains of the system, but the actual work for load balancing, SSL offload, data collection is done by the engines. And within the engines are the CPUs or the VCPUs for virtual appliances or cores, uh, no matter how you think about it. So, what we do is we just license those cores, the total number of cores inside all the engines you're running. So, for instance, if you buy 100 licenses from Avi, that allows you to fire up 100 load balancers of one VCPU each, or perhaps 50 load balancers of two VCPU each, or maybe a, some mix, you know, a 10 core load balancer. Uh, or a 10-VCPU load balancer, another two-VCPU one, and so on and so forth on that fabric. So a very flexible way of having a very simple count license that is centrally managed on the controller, and and so you can move capacity around between load balancers, between engines, between sites, between public cloud and on-prem, all in real time. You can add capacity in real time by adding more core licenses into the, the controller. You can remove capacity in real time and so on. And it's all a subscription license. So it's very, very easy to get started. In most situations, uh, you know, we, we are a very small bite size to get started with a couple of load balancers, uh, typically under discretionary budget. Uh, and that and it's one simple SKU. All the layers four load balancer, layer seven load balancer, security functions, all the way to DDoS. Uh, global server load balancing, web application firewalling capabilities, um, everything, uh, visibility, analytics, real-time monitoring, everything is just one simple SKU. So you start with one core, two core, 100 cores, largest customers are at several thousand cores.
0: Uh,
2: it just it just scales as you grow. Very, very simple to keep track of.
1: That is a nice licensing model. I like that.
0: When it comes to um, containers, does that change at all? Or pretty much you're, you're staying within that same... That same core aspect.
2: That is, you know, that is such a remarkable question uh, because what happened to us was we had this very clean model for licensing, as I just explained, um, and then what we realized was in a microservices context, people spin up so many more proxies that every service gets its own proxy almost. So our customers in a Kubernetes or Mesos environment started spinning up hundreds and hundreds of these service engines for each uh, container node or host that they had in the environment. And so what that was doing was it was making the cost of the solution uh, far higher than what our, uh, than, quite frankly, uh, what our customers were comfortable with. So we have a slightly different model in a container environment. We've simplified it even further, if you have, a 100-node Mesos cluster or a 100-node uh, Kubernetes cluster or a 100-node Docker Swamp cluster, that's 100 licenses. So we just license not necessarily by cores, but simply by the number of nodes in a container cluster. and That's very clean and easy and costs are easy to plan around because uh, all the other costs tend to be proportional. Your number of servers in that uh, cluster what you're going to spend on Mesos or Kubernetes or Swarm, it all tends to be proportional to the size of the cluster, and now so is your uh, spend on the distributed load balancer that's going to work in that environment. So that's a, that's a great question. It's, uh, you can, of course, use our core license in that environment as well, as some of our customers do. They'll just say, you know what, my, my, cluster is, my uh, container cluster is really small. Uh, I'm not going to spin up a lot of proxies, so I'm just going to use. I've got several hundred core licenses from Avi already. I'm going to take a few, maybe a dozen, two dozen, and I'm going to deploy those here. But some of the largest, some of the larger container deployments around Kubernetes or Mesos, etc., uh, they have now the ability to license on a per Mesos node or per Kubernetes node, and that brings down the cost of the solution significantly and makes planning a lot easier.
0: Very, very nice. So. Um, I'm kind of going to jump ahead here a little bit cause we, we, we kind of hit on multi-cloud and microservices and we also talked about, um, you know, how you guys handle elasticity and auto-scaling and your predictive auto-scaling. So I kind of want to jump into, <clears throat> um, you know, what product solutions, cloud vendors you guys integrate with, um, you know, what other ecosystems do you mentioned, you know, a couple already, um, but looking at, you know, things like, you know, VMware or cloud, uh, I'm sorry, um, VMware or Azure or you know, what kind of other products and companies do you guys entirely um, integrate with?
2: So um, on the integration side, so I'll talk about which what things we integrate with, and I'll also talk about why, uh, which is the elasticity portion and how that really manifests itself in the product. So we integrate with three main classes of products. The first class of products is uh, the network and network automation solutions. That includes Ansible. Uh, some people use Chef and for network automation, it includes SDN technologies like Cisco's ACI APIC, VMware's NSX, Nuage, uh, Juniper Contrail, uh, and a number of others. So the network automation and SDN solutions, we integrate with all of them, and we've got customers in production with almost every one of those solutions. The second big bucket for us is the management and orchestration automation technologies. That include something as simple as vCenter, so that we can spin up engines, spin down engines, connect them to the right networks, to OpenStack or private cloud environments, to container te- uh, uh, to public cloud technologies like AWS or Azure or Google Cloud. So all of these uh, cloud and virtualization technologies, so VMware vCenter, OpenStack, Amazon AWS, uh, uh, Google Cloud, uh, Azure, and so on. So entities that allow us to, again, spin up and spin down both our engines as well as backend applications if needed. And then the third class is container and PaaS, so CAS and PaaS technologies. And that includes sort of five main technologies in that. In PaaS, it includes OpenShift and Cloud Foundry. In CAS, it includes Mesos, Kubernetes, and Dr. Swarm. So those are the three big heads uh, STN and network automation solutions, uh, cloud solutions, both on prem and off prem, and virtualization solutions. And then finally, the has and path solutions. Uh, And then uh, just before I end, the question is why? And that was a key question for us when we got started. We wanted to drive automation into the heart of how people manage the balancers and the application. And if you ask them, what is the toughest problem to do in these environments, more often than not, after the number one issue, which is visibility and analytics, The second issue is elasticity and capacity planning. So built-in elasticity and auto-scaling capabilities into the platform. So thanks to this integration, here's what can happen Saturday 2 a.m. in your environment if you have Avi. Let's say you have a burst of traffic coming in. The marketing guys on Friday evening uh, started a campaign, didn't even tell you, and they never tell the infrastructure folks, of course. So they'll start this campaign and go home. And then Saturday morning, the world will wake up and hit your website, and suddenly you're seeing five times the traffic that you were expecting on a Saturday morning, so you're back in the data center back at work, trying to figure out how to handle that. Instead, in an AVI environment, we would see that burst of traffic come in, we would recognize that the load balancing fabric is running out of capacity, and we would then, let's say it's a vCenter environment, we would talk to vCenter, spin up some more engines, and elastically scale out the load balancer so that we can handle the additional Capacity. But that doesn't solve the problem. That just pushes the problem to the backend application. At some point, those poor you know, 10 odd web servers in that pool are going to start running out of capacity too. And then at that point, we can again log back into vCenter, take a golden image that you've given us, fire that up, start a help monitor to it. When the app is up and running, when that web server is up and running, add it to the pool, thereby increasing the capacity of the pool itself. So we can auto scale us the load balancer can also auto scale the backend application we can even do really really flexible interesting things like in that moment configure the GSLB to send the extra traffic to Amazon and then start scaling both the load balancer as well as the back-end application in Amazon so for the next four or five hours did you see that high traffic you might be using Amazon uh, to serve that additional traffic and then when it goes away we just sort of scale everything back in so just make these living, breathing application fabrics can be built on top of our technology, um, especially relevant in in uh, areas like retail uh, and uh, and some of our technology. Uh,
1: that elastic scaling sounds amazing the ability to you know have your your applications intelligently kind of respond to to bursts of traffic but you know and not not just burst in the data center burst outside of the data center into a w s and something like that 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 is a killer feature right there um so i mean the, the, i love it uh you know as, as i mentioned already i was sold at the at the um, at, at the, the look and feel and the kind of the richness of the data coming back but i mean yeah the the elastic scaling is is something to behold i mean for for our our, our listener base they're they're quite an euc focused um kind of group mostly i mean well where does uh avi fit in this space in in your opinion and what are your thoughts and plans for the for the euc space
2: so as you as you know, the EUC space is largely sort of split uh, between two major solution vectors. One is you go after a Citrix based solution, or the other one is you go after a VMware uh, or VMware View based solution or EUC based solution. Um, On the Citrix side, we have not done much work. And the reason for that is Citrix uh, protocols for EUC are largely proprietary and only available to their internal load balancing solutions. So generally speaking, that's probably the biggest reason why you run into Netscalers out in the wild, it's when a customer deploys uh, an EUC EUC solution from Citrix. And that's that's one of the biggest uh, vectors which moves uh, Netscaler sales. Uh, VMware View is much more interesting, though they are very open to partnering. They um, they openly publish their protocols, and uh, we are we have just started some conversations and we're working with them to understand how we can better work uh, with the VMware View and EUC solution. Because as you know, in EUC, one of the one of the biggest pain points, certainly from the time that I was selling into the VDI market. Um, the big, one of the biggest pain points is the visibility and, and analytics and the latency of transactions and being able to debug that when users are not having an optimal experience, why are they not having an optimal experience and where is the latency getting introduced? So we want to bring all of that analytics and its power to uh, to a VDI and a an EUC environment uh, but right now, out of the gate, uh, we have not yet finished the work to do the solution design around VMware Vue. That's probably the first thing we'll do uh, over the next uh, over the next few releases, uh, certainly through the course of this year. Uh, and I'm pretty excited about that solution. I've been, I've been looking at the engineering uh, design specs. I, I think what they're going to come up with is going to solve some very, very uh, pertinent and, and real problems in this
1: space.
0: Yeah, Super. Think, okay. So... Would... Go ahead. Sorry.
1: I was just going to say, super to hear, um, you know, uh, some focus on on Horizon. Um, the, I mean, the Horizon and low balancing is is uh, is currently an issue, you know. So I, I'm, you know, very very happy to hear that, that that there's going to be a there's going to be some work done in this space, and I'm excited to see it. Sorry, Jaron, go on ahead.
0: No, I was going to agree with what you're saying. You know, it'd be interesting to see, you know, that integration with that being able to get the visibility into the protocol, seeing the end to end whether you guys are, you know, fr- front ending the. The access points, the connection brokers, um, or even doing help with the multi-site pieces. So it'd be interesting to see the work you guys do with them, and to be able to have that visibility from end to end in, in, a, in a Horizon environment.
2: Yeah. And, you know, even in the course of this conversation, I'm realizing there's so much expertise out there, both between both of you as well as your listener base. Uh, I think this is worth definitely us following up on at at a point where we have the specs already and the engineering is getting started on this execution to run the ideas both by yourselves and and your customers uh, and your listeners um, and, and incorporate that feedback back into the solution as well. So certainly it would be a great, uh, great uh, marker for us to uh, come back for, for another chat.
1: That sounds like a uh, phenomenal idea. So let's let's uh, let's take that to the blog post. So, and we'll uh, we'll, um, we'll we'll follow up on that one absolutely. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's wonderful. Um, so I mean, so what's next? What what do you guys? So I mean, you guys are already doing um, a f- phenomenal job of, of you know scaling and, and multi multi platform and um, and you know d- data analytics. What is next for Avi?
2: Uh, two big things for us. This is the year of growth on the company side, on the business side. We're already a fairly large company, but we are expecting to double uh, the size of the company over the next 12 to 14 months. So there's going to be a lot of sort of growth uh, and, and ensuring that we've got some amazing folks who are joining the team here. So that's on the company side. Uh, and then on the technology side, what I'm personally really, really excited about is the increased focus on security that we are bringing to the table this year. So just some amazing work that the engineering team has done on our web application firewalling solution, so uh, which incorporates both the two big pain points in that market. One is the performance issue with web application firewalls because of our scale-out architecture, we lay that to rest. Now, the second big issue with those solutions is uh, again it's a black box it's very difficult to tell what's going on so we're taking all of our expertise and visibility and analytics and applying that to that market and we're taking all of that functionality of course and rolling that right into the same fabric the same platform that our customers are already using so that's something i'm very excited about so you'll see an increased focus on security um and of course uh, continued build out of the global model right we want to integrate with SoftLayer, we want to integrate with all the other public clouds uh, in Asia Pack in in Europe and so on, so that our customers truly get, when they commit to AVI uh, as a replacement for their F5 or NetScaler or A10 infrastructure, they can truly get one global elastic load balancer that can serve the needs of any application anywhere, no matter how the application is packaged or which data center it's running, theirs or somebody else's. Uh, so that's what we're focused on this year. It's all about making our, making our customers successful, increasing the footprint of our solution, and, and making it even uh, easier for our customers to keep their applications secure, which of course uh, is, a, is a big focus for most enterprises nowadays.
1: Super. Well, great to hear. Um, onwards and upwards, I suppose, is the is the key the key message there. Uh, you mentioned earlier on in the in the podcast, it's you know for for a download. Is it literally as simple as that for our listeners who love to tinker and play with this kind of stuff?
2: It truly is. You know, I, I am a developer. I'm a technologist. I want to tinker with technology uh, as often as I can. Uh, So this was a big part of how we wanted to structure our interaction with with uh, technologists like yourself, like your listeners. You can go to avinetworks.com. There is no friction at all. Hit the download button, pick. What format do you want to download in? An OVA for virtual machines, a Docker uh, container, or or something else? You know, pick your solution, download it, get it up and running. If it takes you anything more than ten or twenty minutes, send us an email and we'll definitely walk you through it. Um, it should be it should be remarkably easy to bring it up, play around with it, convince yourself it's a solution that that adds uh, considerable value in your environment. And of course, we're hungry. We're hungry for feedback all the time. Uh, so we have a, a great program that. We run called the Aviators program. Uh, it's it's a li- it's a little play on Avi Networks and hence Aviators. Uh, and, and we we encourage technologists to get familiar with our solution, become part of the Aviators program, which gets you not just the the code download, but it gets you a more generous license. There's already a free license built in for a couple of load balancers, but it gives you a more generous license. It gives you roadmap input, it gives you roadmap access, it gives you a- access to engineering for deeper technical questions, et cetera. So some some really really good and interesting ways of interacting with our engineering team.
0: Yeah, I'm actually uh, I'm actually one of your aviators. Um, I was uh, kept hitting up Swarna about how. You guys are going to look at the EUC space and that kind of stuff. So I'm actually um, in the aviators group. So um, Yes, really
2: I'm, I'm on the Slack channel,
0: <laughs> and, I, and I see
2: the questions all the time. And I'm so blessed that we have uh, folks like Swarna and others, engineers, who, who, who continue to drive that conversation with you. But please keep the, keep the good dialogue going. Uh, we learn a ton from our aviators audience. I mean, it's just a fantastic program that I'm really
0: proud that the engineering team was able to support. So thank you for your participation, of course. I'm glad, glad to be part of it and happy to help, help out. And I was just um, checking out your guys' website again for some of the, the trial licensing terms. It looks like you guys updated it. So it's like, you know, the first six months you get 20 vCPUs, and after six months you get two, you know, on perpetual limits. So it looks yep. like you guys allow you to do that testing, that tinkering, that, that dev work ongoing. And then, you know, based on if it, it's physical or if it's, you know, uh, uh, Mesos, you know, there's different options there as well. But, you know, for you guys out there looking to try it, you know, you can download it, use it on VMware. AWS, OpenStack, you know, bare metal, Mesos, and also Nutanix Acropolis as well. Um, hoping one day we get possibly get Hyper-V support, but that's just me because I'm the Hyper-V guy, but and Nutanix guy. But ah,
2: you you got it, you got it. The engineering team is working on it right now. Uh, we've just finished up and we're just patching up the final uh, work that we did on the Azure side. As soon as that's done, uh, they're going to get started on the Hyper-V side. So over the next few quarters, you'll see that coming down the pike as well.
1: Nice. Oh, HyperV too. Uh, there you and, go. And of course, by the way I should
2: I should point out once we do Docker container which we do today you can always in any HyperV environment just fire up a Linux VM and install us as a Docker container internally you can use any one of our ansible scripts on our github account for that super simple. Uh, I've I've actually fired it up on a Windows laptop once. Uh, so you know as as long as because we support that Linux uh, server installed method you, as, as long as you can fire up a Linux VM in any cloud, anywhere,
0: any hypervisor, uh, you should be able to get us to well, that That's a great point, too. So I, I didn't think about that.
1: It is a great idea indeed. Anyway, we've run way over time. Um, Guru, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a real pleasure to to talk to you and learn more about Avi. And I hope our listeners have enjoyed it even a fraction as much as I have, because um, it's uh, it's great to hear about such kind of cutting edge technology. Um, So thanks again.
2: It's been an absolute delight and my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I look forward to running into you at uh, at a conference one of these days and grabbing a beer uh, with you or any one of your listeners.
1: Great. Okay. Uh, So just to close down, I just wanted to thank our sponsors, FS Logics and Liquidware Labs. You guys are awesome. And uh, over to Jerry. Thanks again,
0: Guru, for coming on for a great chat. Um, Lots of good information. Really enjoyed the conversation today. Um, For our listeners, please go to avinetworks.com and and check them out. I also want to let you know that if you guys go to info.avinetworks.com slash Frontline Chatter, um, you can get a, a shirt from Avi Networks that talks about, you know, their low balancing and ludicrous scale. Um, but they have an acronym they use that's called Beyond Application Delivery as a Service, um, which if you kind of, you know, break that down, it, it's, it's badass. So make sure you go check that out. Um, once again, infoavinetworkscom slash Frontline Chatter to go check out those badass T-shirts. Um, and thank you again for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast.